Welcome to Pioneers of a More Data-Driven Union. An interview series created by Elder Research to spotlight government leaders leveraging analytics and technology to solve complex problems for public good. Our first series is titled AI for Public Good, and today is our first episode. I'm Christina Ho, your host, and our topic today is what is AI and how is it used in industry and government? For our inaugural episode, we have two distinguished speakers with us, John Elder and Nick Sinai. John is the founder of Elder Research, a data science consulting firm with 25 years of history as a recognized leader in delivering advanced analytics, machine learning, and AI solutions. John was a data scientist before data science was a known discipline. He has authored books that received the Book of the Year awards. John also served for five years on a panel appointed by President Bush to guide national security technology. Thank you for joining me, John. Thanks, Christina. It's it's an honor. Nick is a senior advisor at Insight Partners, a leading global venture capital and private equity firm investing in high-growth software solution and companies. Nick joined Insight in 2014 from the White House, where he was the U.S. Deputy Chief Technology Officer. Among many accomplishments, he led President Obama's Open Data Initiatives, helped start and grow the Presidential Innovation Fellow Program, which brings entrepreneurs, innovators, and technologists to government. Nick is also a senior fellow and former adjunct faculty at Harvard Kennedy School. Thank you, Nick, for joining me. Hey, Christina. Great to see you again. So AI is a buzzword these days. Um, that may mean different things to different people. So I think it's important for us to first define what it is. So John, what is AI? Can you speak to its evolution briefly? So the history is actually kind of a story of a war between two worlds, the the uh, sort of digital versus analog, the uh, expert systems and uh and logic programming versus the equations and neural net side of the world, perceptrons versus Lisp, and and the uh, the digital side is kind of uh, logic based and deductive reasoning, which is sort of using rules and 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 how systems work, versus the equations, which are using data and using inductive reasoning and connecting the dots between data points and uh, and figuring out. Uh, you know, how things work with equations. So uh, the successes in recent years is really resulting from a combination, a marriage of those two warring families. And that's where you're getting some of these recent breakthroughs. And that's what's, that's what's really exciting. Well, speaking like a true data scientist, John, thank you. Um, Nick, so does AI really live up to its hype? Uh, and what are you seeing in the industry and how is that different from the government? There is a tremendous amount of, of, of hype about AI. And I, and I think that's actually been true for a while. We just 
called it big data a decade ago. So there there has been uh, and probably something before that. So there there has been a tremendous amount of of hype, but I think it's it's warranted because there is there is tremendous promise, um, and so uh, in a wide variety of applications. So if you think about um, uh, predictive maintenance in in the armed services. If you think about uh, um, fraud and and do not pay and 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 helping uh, make a more efficient government. If you think about uh, um, better predicting what citizens and residents and veterans need, there's there's so many opportunities here in 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 government and in the in the private sector where where I am now uh, working with with software companies, uh, machine learning and artificial artificial intelligence. Are increasingly part of the product suite. That is, it's not this this extra thing that uh, um, companies or or governments are are buying necessarily. It is part of software. So, just to give you a quick example, in cybersecurity, for you know, if you're buying cybersecurity software these days, uh, there may be machine learning algorithms that help predict whether a file is malware. So, it's it's not so much that you need to have the signature of every known piece of bad malware, but there's actually algorithms that help predict whether a file is a good file or a bad file. And it's that kind of uh, prediction that that you can then say, okay, well, we're gonna block this or quarantine this file. And that's just built into uh, a cybersecurity product that is trying to protect the endpoint or protect your network, right? And so that, that kind of machine learning and artificial intelligence is part of commercial software products is, is what I'm seeing and what I spend a lot of my time with but there's also an important piece of where John spends a lot of time, the, the data scientists of the world, right? Who, uh, of course, are going to be looking at a lot of data and, 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 and doing data science and data engineering as well. How significant would you say is the opportunity for AI to solve some real complex problem? What do you think are some of the areas that could benefit? The question always comes up, well, what can you do with artificial intelligence and data science? And the question is similar to saying, what can you do with electricity? You know, it's good for everything that ails you. And that's why I, I made the joke about, you know, you know, this, this, this ointment is good for everything. This, this thing can do anything, you know, uh, but let's, let's start at the top. What, what is some of the most important problems that you face? And I would say that one of the best matches for the data science, uh, artificial intelligence type of problem is your needle in a haystack problem. You've got, uh, you've got a trained investigator looking in, into, say, fraud, waste, and abuse. And they're worried about boiling the ocean. They're worried about the vast set of things out there that they have to look at. And the, the beauty is that the machine, once you've trained it to look for anomalies, can look at literally everything. And they can score it for you. And they can rate every single strand of hay in terms of its needliness and show you the most needle-like strands for you to spend your precious time on as investigators. So fraud... Uh, discovery is one of the most uh, most important and, and powerful applications. Uh, similarly, for cleared agencies, insider threat, looking for anomalies, looking for folks that, that might be betraying the, the country, betraying secrets. Uh, very, very uh, powerful application, similar to that, a needle in a haystack type problem. So priority ma- prioritization of workloads for your precious resource of that trained investigator is is a major area, but it's been it's been used for you know discovering new drugs uh, from promising compounds out of the vast infinite set of possible ways of putting compounds together. You know, 
Uh, it's been used to predict oil and gas wells that are about to freeze up months in advance. It's been used to, you know, uh, identify people who might be in danger of committing harm to themselves, you know, through stress in the battlefield. All sorts of uh, amazing applications are out there. They're, they're basically infinite. I am seeing quite a lot of applications also in the operational efficiency area in the government. Um, so, Nick, um, what do you see are some of the challenges for government to leverage AI to solve that kind of problems and increase its own outcomes? So we're going through uh, um, a digital transformation in government, and, and this is not unique. Large organizations of, of any kind, I mean, it's cliched or are pretty standard to talk about digital transformations, but it's it's particularly true in large government agencies that uh, are making this transition from from paper to digital. And one of the things that that I worry about is we don't want to take uh, paper based processes and just make them electronic, right? We want to we want to actually think about how these these processes can be reimagined in a digital sphere where we can we can think about how services might be more personalized. We might have information about you. So take the VA, for example. The VA already knows uh, perhaps a lot about uh, a veteran. So they might be able to better predict uh, what services they are eligible for, what they might be interested in, uh, all of those kinds of things. And so uh, the, the, the ability to rethink the, uh, um, how we're going to deliver services to our veterans, our students, our small businesses uh, is something that I'm really excited about. And in the context of this big digital transformation, I think we have this opportunity to rethink service delivery and to use machine learning and AI to 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 uh, um, do the hard work and make it easier. I mean, we're we're used to Google suggesting the the end of our searches or or Facebook um, suggesting you know who who we may know as friends. And there are of course challenges to that, right? Sometimes uh, um, Google leads us down a wrong way in a, in a predicted search or something like that. But there's a lot of value that, that consumers get every day uh, from, from AI and machine learning. And so we want to bring that to uh, government service delivery. And, and the, the challenge is, is we just don't want to be doing these big digital transformations and, and not be thinking about the opportunities for, for machine learning and, and AI in them. You remind me of a big mistake that I made with Google <laughs> predictive one time I took my daughter to go um, to an amusement park and I put in the address, but didn't pay attention to the town. And it took us four hours instead of two hours to get to our final destination. Uh, and my daughter at the time, who was four, says, Mom, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so that's one story about not paying attention to the predictive technology. Well, now I have some questions for both of you. Mm. Um, if you can come up, at, if there is one complex problem that you know before was impossible to tackle, but now with AI and, and these technology, uh, it became possible. What is that problem? You know, humans are super clever. And uh, they can do things still that computers can't. But what the computer advantage has is, is scale. And so, uh, you know, we have some amazing things that we can do, but we can't, we can't do it at the same scale. So what, what we, we humans can solve some problems and leave them as examples for the computer. Then the computer can study those examples 
and then scale it out by a thousand fold and look at um, at every every case and learn from those examples and then say, okay, I'm going to follow your lead, you know, Mr. Expert, and now I'm going to try to mimic that as best I can a thousand fold over this this scale and and then show you some things that that take your lessons to heart uh, and 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 that's what's they, and what that enables then is you take a group that's that's using its expertise on the cases it has time for and then its its productivity is scaled enormously uh, and so for instance at the at the postal service we did some anti fraud work and they immediately tripled the amount of gains they were able to get with the same amount of investigative effort at the IRS, we we did some anti-fraud work, and they factored by a factor of twenty-five times the amount of fraud they were able to recover. Factor of twenty-five times the amount of fraud they were able to recover with the same amount of investigative effort. And in every single it's case, eleven o'clock, in and done something like this. What has happened is they've been able to expand their mandate. Their productivity has increased so much that the group has been able to attack new problems. Uh, that they weren't able to get before. And not only that, the group has been rewarded with a, l- a larger mandate, a larger uh, workforce. They're now a profit center, basically. And so they're rewarded with more budget, more people, more of a mandate. The AI hasn't led to a reduction in people. It's led to an expansion in the group and an expansion of their task in every group that we've worked with in government and in industry. It's led to a larger uh, footprint of people and and mandate uh, m- m- the count the, just the opposite of what people fear with uh, AI taking over our jobs they've created new jobs. Nick, your thoughts? There's so many um, important problems, um, so maybe I'll just touch on a few quickly. So in in you know in the military, there the big focus is readiness, right? How do you have the people and how do you have the the machines? You know the the um, ships and planes and so forth are ready for, for conflict. We don't want conflict, but we have to have everyone trained for it. Right. Um, and so that um, means that we really have to understand our supply chain when parts are going to fail on a, on a plane and, or on a ship. And the more that we can anticipate that, the more that we can get people ready uh, for whatever they're trained to do. Um, and so machine learning and AI can bring, bring a lot to that. Uh, side of the house. Uh, I spoke a little bit on the on the uh, benefits side of the house. And when you think about it, a lot of government is uh, case management, right? Where there's a particular benefit or adjudication um, that government is trying to do. And, you know, we traditionally have had very rules-based approaches where human beings have looked at case files, you know, say uh, a veteran or an immigrant or someone and tried to apply a set of rules. Well, to John's point, Machines can help us with this, uh, and we can also predict if there's a, a challenge in the application, right? If there's a problem in the application, let's go earlier. Why have a veteran wait several years to tell them, you know, hey, there's a problem in this appeal? Let's predict that this is going to be a problem and get it get it fixed earlier, um, and that that can that can help uh, people get the the benefits that they've earned and 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 deserved. Yeah, that's great. Um, so here's the last question we have. Um, what can the federal government do to facilitate progress in AI? And um, why don't you go first this time, Nick? 
Yeah, I have, I have a few things. I think um, we tend to have this vision of, of AI and machine learning as this, this special thing that uh, uh, only a few special people can do, right? And so we, 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 we celebrate the data scientists and, and with full love and respect, John, they're important, great people. But what I, what I wanna do is, is make sure that we can democratize analytics across government Right, and so that that really means how do we um, broaden access to data inside of government and outside of government? You know, I was very focused on President Obama's open data initiatives. So how can we make it easier for government officials? And that could be an information analyst, it could be a data engineer, and yes, it could be a data scientist. It could be someone who's not trained in the data field. Right? Uh, how can they have uh, get access to the relevant? Uh, government data, and then how can they have access to the tools? So that's that's really about, uh, and then and then rapidly upskill um, where they if they want to learn a little, you know, Python or R or something over the weekend and and kind of work on a little problem that they have. You know, they don't have to go to central IT. They don't have to go to their agency chief data officer. So I, I I'm passionate about how do we democratize uh, access to data inside of um, agencies. Well, of course, putting the proper safeguards around privacy and national security, and then how do we democratize access to tools? I think those those two things uh, will get us away from the kind of centralized. Uh, oh, we're going to create one data lake. We're going to do some very fancy data science on on that data, and those those approaches probably haven't shown as much ROI um, and 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 mission impact as what we care about in, in the public sector. So, to the extent that we can. Uh, democratize um, because every function in government um, is going to be its own special snowflake, right? So the the regulatory state, for example, that John was talking about the ability to kind of uh, predict things, right? So uh, as we're doing enforcement in in the regulatory state, being able to better predict uh, where the inspectors should go so that we can keep our air clean and our and our and our waters clean and those those kinds of things. Um, but that's the kind of thing that the regulator is going to have to do, uh, and they don't have large uh, data science teams necessarily. And so, the more that we can uh, empower them and upskill them, and yes, they'll be they'll be buying uh, a great commercial software as part of that. Uh, but they'll also be applying uh, data engineering and data science uh, to those problem spaces, and 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 being able to have more effective inspectors in a regulatory regime as just one small example. Thank you, John. That's a great thing you mentioned opening data up. And Christina, you and Nick did great work to that open data initiative. And maybe you can say another word about that uh, before we close. But uh, taking good care of data uh, is the best thing that the government could do, and opening it up to folks and 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 allowing a you know a thousand uh, a thousand analysts to look at things and 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 use their creativity. Uh, to see things and make suggestions. That's awesome because data has value. And then, and then acting on the analytics insights that come from that, you know, is still today uh, when people find wonderful things in data and have great ideas, uh, even when companies or, or agencies pay for modeling, uh, still only about a third of those actually get acted on. Uh, so it's very, very hard to change, even in industry. Sometimes industry does a little better than government. Sometimes government does better. But acting on and making changes, making decisions based on data 
is still a change management problem, which is very hard to do. And so that that will and decision to to do the rational thing and to make decisions uh, that are based on uh, learning from data, even when the models and the analysts show that it's the right thing to do, it often it's hard to make a a bureaucracy or an organization uh, change the way it does things. Um, and so we're studying how to do that. We've, we've gotten much better at it. We, we have more of a 90% success at getting or our clients to, to actually make decisions based on our models. And we've, it's taken us a long time. We've been at it 25 years. So it's taken us a long time to get to that level. Uh, so we've learned some secrets about how to, how to get, uh, people involved at every stage uh, so that they're comfortable with the decision making. But it's, it's more than just solving the problem and handing the solution over. You have to you have to uh, you have to work with people all along the way to get them comfortable with making decisions in a new way. But that's what it requires. John, when you do that, it works. I, I'm sorry to jump in here, but uh, one thing that I'm super passionate about that you just prompted in, in this is. This idea of uh, briefing on live data, and Christina, maybe you might appreciate this from uh, uh, your your tenure in government too. Is there's 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 too much briefing on static data and static powerpoints, right? And to the extent, uh, uh, so we can overplay dashboards. I think there's a there's a danger of being dashboard so dashboard focused that we're not actually talking about how the data is being used, um, because often oftentimes. Um, how it's used uh, beyond dashboards is, is equally or more important. But I do think that one way to start changing the culture is briefing on live dashboards rather than static power, PowerPoints, because that's kind of, that was the currency uh, when, when I served. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that, that government is increasingly moving to uh, live, live data briefings. Yeah. And I guess I'll just add one thing, you know, a story, we are story people. We love to hear people's stories and, you know, a person's story is one data point. That's one data point. There's a cloud of stories and a model is like a super story. It's like, and so a model should be even more powerful than a story, but it's really not to us. People we're used to stories. So we need to find the, the super story and then tell stories that, exemplify the super story, if you will, you know, so there's a, there's a lot, there's an art to conveying the message that, that is the truth in the data. And uh, it's, it's, it's really wonderful when you get that live data and you get people learning and deciding and the light bulbs are going off. And it's a very exciting thing when it's, when you've lived, when you've seen that happen, and uh, huge progress can be made in a very short time when you have a room where that's happening. Yeah, when I was uh, leading the implementation of the data ad, I spoke about a simple formula, data plus use equals to value. And I spent, uh, you know, as an open data advocate myself, about data ad was about unlocking the data, setting the data free so that more people can use it. And using it requires people who, you know, data engineer, data uh, scientists, techniques, and software solution. And together, then we can deliver the value 
um, to solve these problems because we are living in a time that we have very limited resource. And the more we could apply technology to help us be more efficient, the better. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I really appreciate all of the contributions you guys do in your role. And we need more of that. Um, So thank you. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. It It was an honor to join. Thank you for joining me for Pioneers of a More Data-Driven Union. Goodbye.